Physics World. Hello, and welcome to the Physics World Weekly Podcast. I'm Hamish Johnston. In this episode, I'm in conversation with a researcher who's developing graphene-based materials that are designed to play crucial roles in a hydrogen economy. Hydrogen can be used as a carbon-free source of energy in a wide range of applications, including home heating, transportation, and industry. However, there are significant challenges that must be overcome to ensure the safe and efficient storage and transportation of the gas. To talk about these challenges and how they can be overcome, I'm joined down the line from the UK's Cranfield University by Christoph Koziol, who is Professor of Composites Engineering there. Hi, Christoph. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Hamish. It's a pleasure to join you today. Great. I'm, I'm really interested in, in talking about hydrogen because it's something that hydrogen energy is something that I've, I've been fascinated with. So I, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So, so Christoph, what are the main challenges involved in the safe and efficient storage and transportation of hydrogen? We are all excited about hydrogen and it's back on the table, so to say, because as you know, uh, uh, the world was looking into hydrogen many years ago, um, but uh, it sort of now is back on. Um, and uh, the biggest problem that I think I am uh, looking at with hydrogen is because of this of its intrinsic size. H hydrogen is a tiny, small molecule. And when we are dealing with hydrogen, um, in situations where we need to store it, as you said, and, and transport it, uh, we have to use materials, obviously, materials uh, that uh, build the structure, the, the build the vessel that we are going to, to move it about and keep it, keep it also on site uh, somewhere safely. Um, so because it is a tiny molecule, it can diffuse literally into any material. It will go through the material and this is what will then cause a damage to the material. So uh, hence we have got concerns of safety because of the deterioration of the materials that are used to store hydrogen and move about hydrogen. And so, and so the hydrogen gas, it, it, it can actually damage a vessel um, through chemical processes. Is that right? In, in fact, um, there is different type of damage that you could have in materials, depending also what sort of materials of, of vessels we are going to use. So you could maybe classify those into two categories. Uh, we've got metallics, metallic storage, metallic uh, containers, uh, for example, steel or aluminium, and you have got the composite structures. Um, so when you use uh, metallic systems, uh, you have got this typical issue of uh, of embrittlement. So you've got steel embrittlement with hydrogen. That means that the hydrogen goes into the lattice of the of the material of of the metal that we are using, and it slowly is damaging it. It's slowly causing cracking to that uh, to that structure of that metallic system. You've got you've got slightly different um, issues with composite materials, and uh, in this case, you've got uh, typically a liner. A liner is 
is a is a film is a coating that is um, covering the inside of your uh, let's, let's say storage tank, a carbon fiber, glass fiber storage tank, uh, and hydrogen again going um, uh, is is able to penetrate diffuse through that liner, and when you uh, fill up the tank and empty it, and you do it many times, you may have different, again, problems with this polymeric coating, the liner, in terms of buckling or, or any other me- mechanical damage that, that may, may be caused by, by this process. So different issues, different material issues, uh, but there are, again, in what, no matter whether you look at metallics or whether you look at composites, polymers, you have got challenges to face. And and are these are these problems? I mean, I would imagine when you're when you're storing and transporting natural gas, for example, there are challenges there and challenges. I'm guessing that we've overcome. But are is it a different problem with hydrogen? Is is hydrogen more difficult to deal with than um, than a traditional fuel like natural gas? So natural gas is again um, going back to the size of the molecules because I think it's you know the easiest to 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 really understand the problem. Uh, um, natural gas typically you you have got methane as part of natural gas. It's a much bigger molecule. Uh, you don't have really these sort of diffusion problems. Uh, what um, what we are facing, um, uh, what the, the challenges we are facing with natural gas are the impurities. So, for example, you've got hydrogen sulfide that this one will go in and corrode, for example, the um, the steel pipelines that you know are used to transport natural gas. Um, when you now uh, bring hydrogen on board and you know you introduce hydrogen into a pipeline, you are likely to have. Uh, also impurities in there. You may have um, po- possibly also presence of of hydrogen sulfide as well. Uh, uh, you know, as part of of the of the infrastructure that we might be still dealing with. Um, and hydrogen is uh, going to diffuse into the lattice and causing an additional or rather enhanced uh, degradation or corrosion of metallic systems and this is what we are um, mostly concerned about that uh, you know it's not only that the hydrogen is causing the um, the, the the local damage to the to, to those materials those traditional materials like steel but it is actually accelerating um, maybe diffusion or uh, penetration of other impurities that will further damage that metallic system Right, I see. And and so uh, uh, some of your research is focused on developing new graphene-based materials and polymers um, for use in, in these hydrogen systems. Can, can you describe these materials? What role does graphene play in their design? Graphene is really an exciting material. Uh, it is uh, part of a class of materials that we call 2D materials. And there are a lot of other 2D materials out there that are coming up. Uh, my colleagues uh, uh, all around the world are super excited about you know researching 2D materials. But we are looking at graphene because um, it is uh, actually quite simple material. It's made out of carbon. So graphene is consisting only of carbon atoms. It has got a molecular layer thickness. So this is a single layer uh, thin sheet of 
basic carbon atoms assembled in a hexagonal uh, pattern uh, structure. And because it's made out of uh, carbon only, we can understand it very well in terms of how it's going to behave. But it's super powerful because, you know, these carbon atoms are super compacted. Um, when you start looking at the um, environment of hydrogen, uh, you know, hyd again, hydrogen um, being uh, such a small molecule, uh, you have to deal with a material that is uh, powerful enough to handle uh, molecules like hydrogen. And uh, graphene particularly, uh, you know, is that powerful because of its uh, crystallinity. You know, the, the arrangements of carbon atoms within graphene are uh, superb. So you've got, you know, a molecular uh, crystal, basically, you know, a single layer crystal. Uh, so you've got densely packed carbon structure that can now deal with a molecule, a small, tiny molecule like hydrogen. What I find also exciting about graphene is that um, there are different ways of obviously making those those new materials that are coming up to the world, but um, we are looking also at uh, sustainable ways of making graphene. Uh, we are actually uh, looking at making graphene on a very significant scale using greenhouse gas greenhouse gases. So, so this is basically fugitive gases like methane or CO two that are going to enter the atmosphere. Instead, we are diverting all of these gases as feedstock to make graphene from them. So, we are basically. Um, reaching out to this high-performance material, graphene, uh, but at the same time, it's actually going to be produced from the waste and fugitive gases that otherwise will end up in the atmosphere. So this is this is the excitement that really I wanted to share as well with you today. And and so, how does the graphene act as a barrier? Is, is it is I mean, is can it be thought of as a as as a physical barrier in the sense that the carbon atoms are packed so tightly together that the the hydrogen molecule molecules can't squeeze through, or or does the hydrogen actually react with the graphene and and create a, a layer that um, that itself is impervious, or or maybe it's a bit of both. Um, or, or neither. <laughs> so at this moment, we are looking at this physical barrier which you described, um, and that's you know precisely what a, a tightly packed um, material like graphene will will offer you. When you look at hydrogen, the you know the the best barrier for hydrogen is a material that is that has got high crystallinity as well. So for example, if you look at uh, polymers, uh, we, the material that performs very well is polyethylene. Uh, for example, for hydrogen pipelines, we would be using a material called PE100, which is, um, which is a high crystallinity uh, polyethylene. So you've got these tightly packed um, uh, atoms within the material that will act as a barrier for a barrier for hydrogen, and therefore, if you are dealing with material like graphene here, with again tightly packed atomic uh, structure, it does act as a molecular filter. So it seems to be perfect sort of material really to deal with any future challenges around hydrogen. But it doesn't stop just there. 
um, I think you have already put uh, an interesting uh, direction forward here, which is, you know, looking at uh, interaction between hydrogen and graphene. And to be honest, this is what we are going to uh, to explore even further. Uh, we are doing this at a very, very um, um, initial level. But I think the interaction with graphene, between graphene and hydrogen, will give us this additional enhancement of um, the barrier performance coming from graphene as well. And Christoph, you, you mentioned um, uh, hydrogen pipelines. I think you've developed a new paint um, for hydrogen pipelines. Um, at, at what stage is this uh, development at? Is, is, is this paint being used in commercial hydrogen distribution systems? So in, in Cranfield, um, we are dealing with um, a large number of industries. Um, and this particular development was our a partnership with uh, National Grid, or what's now it's called National Gas, because National Gas has separated from National Grid. Um, and we have been working with uh, National Gas uh, on this project um, uh, for almost two years. And um, the, the project basically was looking at, at an upgrade to the existing pipeline that uh, we have in UK. And I think there are almost 8,000 kilometers of pipeline within the UK. And um, National Grid uh, and National Gas is very keen to, uh, to upgrade the whole infrastructure to make it suitable for hydrogen. Uh, there are there have there have been announcements earlier this week around this, and we know that National Gas is going to to put uh, hydrogen into the grid already. So this is super exciting. Um, but the vision is to move towards a, a complete hundred percent hydrogen infrastructure, and uh, it's. Uh, it's super impressive what National Gas is doing because there is a very clear plan of when this is going to happen. So it's not if it's going to happen, it's just when this is it's going to happen. And um, National Gas is already testing a smaller infrastructure, um, preparing for this large deployment of two kilometers long UK backbone that will connect the north and the south. Uh, and by 2030, I believe the plan is to connect with these massive um, hydrogen infrastructure that exists already in Europe. Um, so where where do we come from, come in, into this picture? Is uh, we are looking at the upgrades to to, to this existing uh, steel pipelines. These are you know large, huge diameter pipelines that are already. Um, in operation, so basically they are um, on the ground or under the ground. And the biggest challenge at the moment is to um, make the underground pipes suitable for uh, for such a gas. Um, there was actually a question, you know, um, put forward from National Gas to say, actually, do we need to upgrade this pipeline because um, we are not dealing with thin. Materials, you know, this is a very thick, very big, you know, pipeline uh, made out of steel. Um, there are different grades of steel, of course, there as well. But um, 
we are dealing with with uh, with a large lump of steel, you know, p- uh, forming the pipeline. Um, and uh, on the surface, it looks like we actually might be still okay to simply just put hydrogen through the network. But of course, National Gas is looking at safety. You know, we are looking at super. We are preparing for 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 the environment for the situation that we absolutely need to be safe when introducing hydrogen and and therefore uh, they want to possibly look at the options how to um, maybe upgrade these existing pipeline infrastructure with something that um, will not be too expensive you know it cannot destroy the environment again so we you know we don't want to sort of create a project that suddenly we are transitioning into hydrogen we have to dig out all of these pipelines from the ground you know it's going to be again massive massive amount of carbon footprint behind no what we want to do is we want to find cheap solution that will upgrade the existing system and we have been exploring coatings so how do we deploy um, a coating into uh, the existing uh, pipelines. Now, there are methods of doing this. So uh, the, uh, the the machine the, the machinery that is used to service existing pipelines are, are called pigs. Uh, you know, it's basically a, a vessel that goes into a pipeline is is being uh, pushed through the pipeline and it can clean it because obviously you've got variety of debris and co- deposits and so on. So we can quite easily use this. This vessel called called the the, the pig um, to go into the pipeline and retrospectively deploy a coating that would particularly be suitable to um, prevent any damage deterioration from coming up hydrogen. And uh, we have indeed developed uh, coatings using graphene. We we we. We were looking specifically at graphene because this is the best material that we can deploy in a coating. Uh, you know, with this crystal structure, as we discussed, you know, with the capabilities to deal with hydrogen. Um, we have developed coatings that currently are, are at TRL level four. They really perform uh, impressively uh, in terms of stopping hydrogen from diffusing through them and getting to steel. Um, and Currently, we are at the process of um, identifying manufacturers of these paints. But on one, on the other side, we have got National Gas that obviously, you know, is looking for exactly solutions like this to adopt. But what is important, what is absolutely critical, is whatever we do around hydrogen, it has to be low cost, net zero. Or, uh, or better than net zero situation, because we do not want to create an environment, you know, that looks clean and exciting like hydrogen, but actually behind we are polluting more. Yeah, wow, wow. That, I mean, that <laughs> it sounds like a big project, and yeah, I, I hope that goes very well for you. Um, you. You're also working with the aircraft maker Airbus to develop a, a cryogenic storage system for hydrogen. C- can you talk a bit about that project? Airbus is um, super impressive uh, if you look at you know hydrogen, because they have made some um, really great statement, you know, transitioning basically the aviation uh, from current fossil fuels to, to hydrogen. Um, 
the others are looking at SAF, sustainable aviation fuel, and that's basically, it's just a fuel uh, that burns, produces again CO2, but uh, hopefully it's made sustainably, hopefully it's made with lower carbon footprint, but it's still emitting CO2. Hydrogen aviation, uh, avi- you know, pushing, hyd- pushing hydrogen into aviation means really, you know, you do not have any CO2 emissions. And, and this is why, you know, I am super impressive with Airbus making obviously these massive sort of um, uh, steps forward. So again, um, at Cranfield with our um, with our you know um, uh, commitment to support industry, and we have got a long-standing uh, partnership with Airbus at Cranfield, and we are also supporting Airbus on this uh, program. So uh, creating a hydrogen aircraft is not simply, uh, you know, making uh, the hydrogen a little bit tighter, uh, making the existing kerosene storage tanks a bit um, uh, less permeable to to hydrogen. That's not going to to work really. Uh, going into a hydrogen aircraft means designing the entire aircraft from scratch bearing in mind that you have got uh, you know this fuel new fuel that you have to deal with so i think it is a it is an amazing um development uh, innovation within uh, aviation so i i see it as you know it's not just simply creating hydrogen hydrogen aircraft but this is a major innovation within the aerospace and is the is is the challenge in in aviation to to get the hydrogen fuel into a state um, of a very high energy density, so you can get enough hydrogen on a plane to take it across the Atlantic? It, it, is that where the challenge is? And and the, the the cryogenics are you is the plan to use liquid hydrogen rather than gaseous hydrogen to get that to get the density? So if you look at gaseous hydrogen of, uh, if, if you look at gaseous um, uh, uh, storage of hydrogen, uh, as you pointed out, uh, Hamish, that's the issues we are facing is this energy density, right, that we have got. And we can still deal with gaseous uh, hydrogen storage uh, for aircraft, but the, we'll be looking at maybe island hopping, you know, short, dis- very short distances, right, here. Uh, so really to make uh, to transition hydrogen into uh, aerospace we need to go for liquid hydrogen because you absolutely need that uh, storage density and we know that's you know that's possible if we are if we are dealing with liquid hydrogen we can indeed look at you know uh, cross atlantic flights you know long haul flights that is absolutely not a problem but you need to deal with cryogenic hydrogen and that is that is a new uh, uh, level of uh, challenges that we are facing again everywhere you look at it's about materials and it's you know to me uh, being a material scientist is again super exciting times because uh, it's not about traditional materials it's not about steel aluminium carbon fiber we have to look at completely new generation of storage so um you know we are familiar with uh, four 
types of tanks that we are we are dealing with the type 4 it's the the latest composite tank type 5 is just removing liner but again coming up but here we are looking at type 6 type of tank type um, that we need to create because we need to reduce the weight uh, we need to deal with extremely low temperatures minus 253 degrees celsius but most importantly especially for aerospace is that safety uh, the safety aspect that we need to deal with and um, uh, we are looking at at least three levels of safety so you've got the, the basic level where you make sure that you keep your hydrogen at the uh, cryo uh, temperature of course you've got the secondary level uh, you know what happens if this turns off and you need to have materials without uh, the uh, energy input so that means you know passive materials that will keep that environment for a period of time that will allow for the aircraft to land you know at the near by airport if there's an issue and you've got a third layer of safety it means that you know if something really happens that is uncontrollable uh, you know how do you drop off that fuel or that that sort of entire tank that you have got on board, you know, somewhere in, into the Atlantic Ocean, for example, you know, how do you drop it? And how do you manage to have enough fumes to uh, safely land the aircraft? So that's all exciting. That's all, you know, uh, possible. We are not looking at, uh, you know, something that is very much into the future. That's something that we can do uh, already now or we can start doing now and of course we we are on a trajectory by i think 2030 to 2035 to really have a system flying okay and you know i think a lot of our listeners will have will be familiar with using liquid nitrogen in the lab um i'm guessing that liquid hydrogen and liquid nitrogen are two different things is it much is it much more work to to make hydrogen a liquid and to and to keep it as a liquid because you know with nitrogen it, it seems fairly straightforward but I'm guessing that's not the case with hydrogen. So uh, yes, it is definitely another level down. Um, you know, going to minus two hundred degrees again. There are lots of materials that can deal with this temperature. You know, the liquid nitrogen basic temperature we we are familiar with this and it feels like oh we are only going to go an additional minus 53 degrees but that additional minus 53 is is really a you know a step down quite a significant step down um so there are not um the the, the there are certain sort of limitations that you've got in terms of even um, you know, depressurizing a system like this, you know, bringing it up maybe for servicing, which you, you would have to do. Um, so it is quite another sort of level down. Um, uh, and that sort of in, involves, you know, materials, but also um, the servicing of a system like it. We we have been dealing with cryotanks, you know, for uh, liquid hydrogen. And there are companies that are doing liquid hydrogen, um, you know, management, storage, and transportation. Um, uh, some big companies, but uh, if we are up in the air, that's a completely different environment. So, on the ground, yes, that is 
done now. You know, we know how to do it. Uh, but up in the air at, uh, you know, uh, 30 kilometers above the ground, that's, a, that's really, a, you know, a different uh, environment to deal with. I see. And, and in terms of energy density, the, the, the energy density of, of liquid hydrogen, is that, would that be on par with aviation fuel or, or would it be greater or would it be a bit less? So uh, if we compare um, a liquefied hydrogen, um, we uh, would be able to get a higher energy density from, from the hydrogen than the aviation fuel. Um, obviously, you know, that's because of, uh, of the liquid state uh, of the density that we can reach with hydrogen. Um, and um, if you compare the uh, density uh, of um, uh, the, the, the liquefied form of hydrogen, uh, you are going to, uh, to, uh, to expect a higher uh, energy density uh, out from it than you would from existing fuels that we are deploying. Um, but uh, there are also an additional, maybe obviously benefits of it, not, not to mention obviously that we have got no CO2 uh, emissions coming out, but also uh, in terms of how the hydrogen will burn as well. So, you know, and, and obviously you have two options in here, which you don't have with existing uh, fuels. You can burn hydrogen or you can use fuel cells. So you, you may have, you know, no really, no onboard combustion taking place, so to say. So uh, so I think there are the, 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 these are the additional benefits that you may have different ways of really extracting the energy out from, hyd from liquid hydrogen. Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, that sounds like another fascinating project. Um, I, for my final question, I just wanted to get your take on, what, what is your view on a hydrogen economy, do you do you think that hydrogen will become a mainstream fuel in the future, or or perhaps will it be a specialist fuel for aviation, for example? So uh, we know that for aviation, there are going to be two streams, uh, at least for the next sort of mid to um, short to mid term, and that's the staff that is coming in because obviously you know we we can see some decar decarbonization potential from SAF, uh, and then the hydrogen will obviously enter the the the, the realms of uh, of aviation and uh, at the end of the day uh, i think hydrogen uh, will win in aviation as a fuel uh, as long as we can demonstrate that we can really make the hydrogen uh, on uh, at the low carbon level because that's ultimately what we are after right it's not about SAF, it's not about hydrogen it's about low carbon footprint of where we are going so we we have to absolutely make sure that the cryogenic systems the uh, production of hydrogen that is all going to be lower carbon footprint overall and I'm stressing this always to all my colleagues um, within the industry that the, the first thing that you need to do is to do a proper a carbon footprint analysis in whichever direction you're going. Uh, are we going to see hydrogen on, um, on a big scale? Uh, I think 
there is an uh, there is a very clear opportunity for the hydrogen in the future. There is a place for it. I, I'm not sure whether it will become the main sort of source of energy and fuel. I think we need to sm- we need to think smart. We need to we need to combine things. You know, you've you've got solar, you've got wind, um, you have got um, energy coming uh, from nuclear sources. Um, uh, there, there's fusion coming up. So I think there will be a mix of things uh, in, in the future. We shouldn't just put all our you know cards and investment into one area. But I do believe that hydrogen will play an important role uh, decarbonizing heavy industry for example uh, capturing uh, the um, sustainable uh, green energy when we cannot use it so for example there is this, this, this discussion you know why do we even you know need hydrogen we can just simply use straight away electricity and that's brilliant you know if we can use the green electricity for heating homes for running um uh, plants that's that's what we should do this is the lowest carbon future uh, for for doing for running the, the 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 future world but that is not necessarily going to be possible always and this is where where hydrogen beautifully comes in but Again, the most important is to be able to make this hydrogen at the lowest carbon footprint we can have. We can possibly have it. And the good news is that there is great support from UK government because there is the low carbon hydrogen standards already there. We have the number. We have the protocols. You know uh, how we should quantify the low carbon footprint. Uh, of hydrogen so everything is out there um, and we just simply have to follow this and uh, and yes use hydrogen wherever that's that makes sense and that's you know wherever that's is a smart decision to do but at the lowest carbon footprint possible well that's great christoph thanks thanks for talking about your research and and talking about hydrogen in general as a as a fuel for the, for the future and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast it's a pleasure thank you very much hamish take care i'm afraid that's all the time we have for this week's podcast thanks to christoph Kozial for joining me today and a special thanks to our producer fred isles We'll be back again next week, but in the meantime, do check out the latest episode of the Physics World Stories podcast. Host Andrew Glester is in conversation with the astrophysicist and author Emma Chapman about the history of radio astronomy. Chapman, who is at the UK's University of Nottingham, talks about the do-it-yourself ethic of radio astronomers and highlights the valuable contributions made by people outside the established academic community. Also new on the Physics World website is the first of three feature articles that look at the cosmic battle between dark matter and theories of modified gravity as both seek to explain why the distribution of observable matter in the universe appears to defy conventional physics. 
The articles are by the science writer Keith Cooper, and the first installment is called Cosmic Combat, Delving into the Battle Between Dark Matter and Modified Gravity. In the article, Keith looks at the cosmic conundrums that have led physicists to develop mainstream theories of dark matter and theories of modified gravity, which tend to be considered more unconventional. And he also introduces some of modified gravity's staunchest advocates. Physics World